Welcome in to College Sports Today. This is episode number 39, and we're coming to you as always on WLRC 99.3 FM, as well as online at therinian.com, Spotify, and rss.com as well. This is Hamilton Neal, your host, and today we're talking all things college basketball, as in our first segment, we'll talk about Gigi Jackson and Justin Edwards, two elite prospects committing to South Carolina and Kentucky, respectively. Gigi Jackson is now in the 2022 class after reclassing from 2023. Speaking of 2023, that's where Justin Edwards is, and he joins two other elite prospects in Kentucky's recruiting class. Again, all of that coming up in our first segment. And then in our second segment, we'll talk about the Phil Knight Legacy and Phil Knight Invitational Tournaments. But again, we're going to get things started by talking about elite prospect Gigi Jackson and his commitment to the University of South Carolina. This is a very big headline for a couple of reasons. It's big, number one, because South Carolina in men's college basketball is not the strongest program. So the fact that a player at the caliber of a Gigi Jackson wants to go there is big, but also because he was previously committed to North Carolina before committing to South Carolina. That's probably the even bigger thing to me. And it just took nine days between the decommitment from North Carolina and the commitment to South Carolina. And Gigi Jackson becomes the first player in the modern recruiting era to decommit from the Tar Heels. A notable name to decommit from North Carolina was J.R. Smith in 2003. He was going to go to play for North Carolina, but then went straight to the NBA. And Jackson plays in Columbia, South Carolina at Ridgeview High School, so when you think about it, it really starts to make more and more sense once you read into the details. Ridgeview High School, Columbia, South Carolina, struggling program. He can go in and be the number one guy right away and maybe, just maybe lead them to the postseason. Now, this may be a good team. This may be a Ben Simmons type of situation where you go into a program and you put up your numbers and you're great, but the team isn't. Because when Ben Simmons in 2015 went to LSU, that was not a postseason team. That was not an NCAA tournament team. But he was still number one pick in the draft, still put up great numbers. And Gigi Jackson will put up great numbers at South Carolina. It's just going to be a matter of, will the rest of the team be good enough? And he feels like right now he's ready to play college basketball. Because again, he was originally part of the 2023 class. And he was ranked number six in that class. Now he's in 2022. And he was hands down best player in South Carolina last year. 22.1 points, 10.9 rebounds, Gatorade Player of the Year honors. He was also MVP of the NBPA Top 100 camp. That is where all of the top recruits in the country convene. They do drills individually. They play five on five and do all that good stuff. So for him to be at the top of the heap there, very impressive. And he had at that camp an average of 14 points and 9.2 rebounds in the games that they played. And Zachary Davis and Daniel Hankins Sanford are the two other players in the South Carolina 2022 class. And now Jackson is the third member. 
And this is a program that's going through transition, not just with their roster, but also on the coaching staff. Because remember back in March, we talked about Frank Martin being like, oh, Lamont Paris is now the head coach. And a big reason why Jackson is now on board at South Carolina is because of Lamont Paris. Relationships with coaches is what makes a guy go, that school, I want to go there. Or no, I'm going to go to that place. Or in this case, decommit from North Carolina, go to South Carolina. And a lot of people are wondering, and I'm sure a lot of North Carolina fans are wondering, well, wait a minute, if South Carolina was in his heart the whole time, why did he even commit to North Carolina? The simple straight answer to that is high school recruits, they're inconsistent. High school basketball players aren't always quite sure about the recruiting process. And sometimes it's just one of those things. It's a gut reaction. Sometimes they make it happen too quick. They say, I'm going to go to this school as a sophomore, or even sometimes high school freshmen commit to places. And what oftentimes happens is players go, they commit to a school, and then they end up decommitting. They end up going somewhere else. So that's kind of what happened here, even though it was just in a very, very short window of time. And for Gigi Jackson, there's going to be a lot of eyes on him to see if he can turn this program around, be the number one guy, because that's what he is here. He's going to be the number one guy from day number one, as opposed to going to North Carolina, where you could be one of the top three players on a national championship team. He's opting to stay home and play for this program. So I think it brings some excitement to the recruiting headlines. I think it brings excitement to college basketball. And we're going to see him coming up this fall. Again, because he's now in the 2022 class. Now going back and talking about the 2023 class, Justin Edwards is on board at Kentucky. And if you're not familiar with Justin, he's a five-star small forward, six foot seven, very long, very athletic. This is a huge, huge land for Kentucky. And for a couple of reasons. One, they didn't have a guy like this in their class yet. They have Rob Dillingham and Reed Shepard committed. Those two guys are guards. Now they bring in that true wing. And they also beat out Tennessee, an SEC rival. Tennessee had him for an official visit in March. Kentucky was the school that offered him first. And then Tennessee started to make up some ground. But as is the case most often, Kentucky ends up winning out. And they didn't have a Duke to go up against here. Now, if that was the case, it would have been maybe a little more contested towards the end. Because I think leading up to this commitment, we knew that Kentucky was kind of gaining the edge. And there are recruiting insiders out there that they hear things in their ear. And whether it's 247 Sports, Crystal Ball Commitments, you know, Rivals.com has something very similar where these guys, they're out in the circuit. They're talking to these players. They hear things from coaches and whatnot. And predictions start to roll in. And when you see Kentucky and those predictions coming in well over Tennessee, you kind of know where it's going. Just like with uh, South Carolina and Gigi Jackson. When Gigi Jackson was still committed to North Carolina, there were predictions coming in for South Carolina because guys were hearing things sooner, even before the decommitment. People were saying he's going to decommit even before he decommits. That's just the world we live in now with insiders. And some people like it. You know, some people want to know 
all the inside information even before it happens. But some are like, well, that kind of ruins it for me. Uh, I personally like hearing from the insiders. I feel like they have a job to do just like everybody else. You know, they have to report this information. And obviously it gets more scrutinized at like the pro level with the NFL insiders, NBA insiders, et cetera. But there are even college recruiting insiders. So they started to see this coming. And now what Kentucky gets is a capable jump shooter. He's very good in the half court, getting to the rim, straight line drives, gets to the free throw line consistently. You could go on and on about how good he is. And I think the big thing for him is going to be How can I get to the rim more? Because with most small forwards in this modern day of basketball, they want to shoot the jump shot. They want to go and play outside like a guard would. But the problem with that is all of these wings aren't the best jump shooters and they have better opportunity to score inside. And at 6'7", he really needs to utilize that. So I think he's really finding the balance. Again, very productive scorer. 16.6 points per game on the Nike EYBL circuit, six and a half rebounds as well. So he's very underrated in that regard. And those averages were over 25 games on the Nike EYBL this spring and summer. And again, he's the third commitment for Kentucky in this class. Rob Dillingham and Reed Shepard are the other two. And they're still in the mix for other prospects. DJ Wagner, number one player in the country. Ron Holland, fourth overall. Aaron Bradshaw, 19th overall. And I do feel like If they're going to land any of those three, it would probably be Aaron Bradshaw because Bradshaw is that typical big man. He's 6'11", plays the true center spot, and he really fits the mold of what John Calipari has had over the years with the big men. DeMarcus Cousins, Carl Anthony Towns, you just go down the line. They've had great big men. That's what Kentucky's known for. They land elite recruits at every position, but Calipari has a track record with the bigs. So while they still could land Wagner and while some recruiting experts feel like that's where he's going to go, I feel like if they have a chance to land any of those three, it would be Bradshaw at 19. So Kentucky really building their 2023 class now again with Justin Edwards coming on board. So those are some of the big recruiting headlines when it comes to men's college basketball. And obviously there is women's college basketball recruiting going on right now. Circuits have been happening. The Nike EYBL, Under Armour Association, all of that's kind of winding down now. All of that's kind of ended. But we've seen recruiting really, really start to ramp up, especially when like July live period started. When July AAU basketball started, that's when offers started to come in. And again, we can't talk about every little thing that happens, but you can go research these players, look at the offers, look at their Twitter feeds, and you're going to see just how much recruiting is a part of this time of year. It's not just about the games. I mean, they're playing the games for the colleges and to develop and to get better. But the main point of AAU is it's the off season. Coaches want to get in front of players in person and they don't have time to do that during the high school season because high school seasons and college seasons obviously overlap. So that's what the AAU period is for. And again, For Justin Edwards, who was one of the best players on this circuit, really didn't need any more offers. That isn't what it was about here because this was his last EYBL. He's a senior coming up. It was just about making the right choice. And he goes with the Wildcats there. So now let's talk about the 2022 Phil Knight Legacy and Invitational Tournaments. And if you remember on a winter episode of College Sports Today, months and months ago, maybe about five months ago, 
we talked about these events being announced, but we didn't have any matchups. Now we have matchups set. And this event has men's games and women's games. And in the men's Phil Knight Legacy event, we have Duke and Oregon State in an opening round matchup. Florida and Xavier are also playing. Purdue, West Virginia, Portland State, Gonzaga are the rest of the matchups. And we could see a potential Duke-Gonzaga championship game in that event. And then in the women's Phil Knight Legacy, you have UConn and Duke, Iowa and Oregon State in the first games. And what that sets up is a potential UConn and Iowa championship game. So we know exactly what they're doing here. They want Duke and Gonzaga, and they want UConn and Iowa. That's exactly what they're hoping for, and that they're probably going to get it. They may, they may not. It's college basketball. It's crazy. Things happen. But they set up these events, and they set up the matchups as to where you can get the best possible championship game. And I really see that happening with the men's legacy. I mean, I see Duke clearing Oregon State, obviously. Gonzaga, I think, will certainly get there. But Purdue and West Virginia, that's a very interesting matchup. Florida and Xavier could be formidable opponents. So I think that's going to be very competitive. While we're expecting Duke and Gonzaga, we could see more. We could see an upset along the line. And I definitely think on the women's side, it's going to be UConn and Iowa. I mean, Oregon State's a good team, but they're not a top 25 team. Duke, I wouldn't say is a preseason top 25 team. I think if they play above what their potential is, then they could at some point be a top 25 team during the year. But when you're looking at the legacy events, those are the matchups we're looking for. And if we do get UConn and Iowa, we're getting Paige and Caitlin, Paige Beckers and Caitlin Clark. And that would be the second time those two would play against each other. Because in the 2021 NCAA tournament, we saw that in the Sweet 16. UConn won that game, obviously. And if we could see it again, that would be very, very exciting. And again, Duke and Zaga, they played last year. Paulo versus Chet Holmgren, that was great. But if we get it this year, it's going to be completely different because Duke is going to be super young. Gonzaga has guys coming back and they're going to be very experienced and they may even be the number one team in the preseason this year. Now looking at the Phil Knight Invitational and the matchups there, it's very interesting because first we have North Carolina. They return the bulk of their roster from last year. They add Pete Nance from Northwestern. They're going to battle Portland. And again, in these events, because they're in Oregon and it's Phil Knight themed, all that, we're going to get Portland State and Portland. So North Carolina and Portland are going to play. Iowa State is going to face Kyle Neptune and Villanova. That's a very interesting matchup. UConn will play Oregon. That's going to be another intriguing game as well. And then we have Michigan State and Alabama. So that's the men's field right there. We have a ton of big names. Not all of them are going to be in the top 25, but Oregon is a team that is definitely a top 25 caliber. And UConn is a team that I think could eventually get into the top 25. But again, you know, you have Bama, Michigan State, great teams there. And then on the women's side, we have Oregon and North Carolina playing. Tahina Pow Pow, great point guard for the Ducks. Deja Kelly is the star at UNC. You have Iowa State. They're going to face Michigan State. And these events in Portland, they're a follow-up to the 2017 PK-80 tournament. And these honor Nike founder Phil Knight for his contributions to the sport. Obviously, we've talked about Phil Knight on the last couple of episodes of College Sports Today. And we've talked about that with 
Oregon, University of Oregon conference realignment and his influence, because as the biggest stoner that Oregon has, he has a very big voice in what they do. And these events, they bring in a lot of money. The viewership is always super high. And I expect more of the same this year, because again, with men's and with women's, we have great matchups. All of the teams playing here are outstanding in the Legacy and the Invitational tournaments. And definitely go and research more about this. And when these tournaments happen, when they come around, definitely have your TVs turned on because it's going to be outstanding. With that said, that's all the time we have here on episode 39 of College Sports Today. We yet again enjoyed bringing this episode to you. And as always, we want to give a special thanks to everybody at Lenoir University, the College of Fine Arts and Communications, and WLRZ 99.3 FM. This is Hamilton Neal signing off. I'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening.